Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Welcome back to Life's the Full. Host the Zitos. Get your Bible back. Yeah. <laughs> This is our season of embracing our journey. It is winter of 2021, and today we're recording in the afternoon. Yeah, afternoon edition with some delicious broth. Yes, very happy to have a drink when we're recording. This is some nice grass-fed beef, and how long have you been... Brew, like a month or something like that? No, honey, come on. Stop. 24 hours. It seems like more. Nope. No? 24 hours. Okay. Well, let's taste it. That tasted mine. It probably needs salt. Mm, it's still very good, but yeah, pass me the salt. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the kitchen edition, but we're not in the kitchen. <laughs> in the studio, probably a little dangerous with all this hot liquids. Yeah. But, uh, and salt by our electronics. It's really nice to have broth in winter. So um, we're up to our last no statement, even though I don't negation acknowledge like saying that. This is um, imagining we are, you know, we reached our our destination. The I've been kind of using the metaphor of the national park or one of the few wild places left on earth. Or we're just about to go into that country that planet that we're not familiar with and we're getting our final instructions from our guide yeah seeing the bible as a land to be explored right uh by us and not just a rule book or something that's going to tell us what to do because mm-hmm. this is uh the fifth episode in the getting your bible back series and then from here um we'll Maybe just try and get into some scripture and try and get into it like we're exploring it. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So we've gone through, it's not about me, right? It's the Bible is written not not for you. Well, it is for you. It's a gift. But it wasn't written to you, right? Uh, you are not a first century Jew. You are not a Jew from the Bronze Age. So this stuff was not written for you. You have to keep that in mind when you're reading it. Sometimes it feels like the Bible is speaking directly to you. It's not. And we have to remember that. But Jimmy, it says you. And when I read my Bible. You're talking about Ephesians? Mm-hmm. You, you, you. Yeah, where, you know, we learned from uh, Ephesians class we took with Dr. Timothy Oh, I'm still Medici. in the process, yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, we're both. I'm taking that class with you, so I slowed myself down. Oh wow, thanks. Yeah, because thanks I, so much for saying you slowed yourself down. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I'll do this stuff in like a weekend. A oh weekend. boy, not yeah. really, not really. But okay. you know, it's hard playing with other people in the sandbox. You have to like 
arrange schedules, even when you're married, it's tough. I know, it's tough for you. Honey. And I, I have a hard tra- time enough keeping track of you. Where, where is my wife today? That's why I have the wife tracker uh, on my phone. Your wife works from home. Yeah, but even still, you think it would be easy for me to keep track of you. It's just not. Um, in my office, 90% of the time. Yeah. We shall see. The second guidepost, or the not statement, is it's not always as deep as we think. Sometimes we want to make the Bible say things that it's not necessarily saying. We pick out verses, right, to do our theology or to do our philosophy of what we think the Bible is saying and we don't read the whole thing. Number three, even Paul isn't always so sure. Just understanding who Paul is, the context in which he was writing. He wasn't sitting down to write, you know, a book on Pauline theology, right? Theology according to Paul, because in Paul's mind that had already been written by the Hebrew scriptures that he grew up with. Right? He was writing occasional letters. So we see the brilliance of Paul, but you know, all too often we take Paul to be like a rule book because he's so quotable. And he, in one sense, seems to be the easiest part of the Bible to read. But in reality, he's probably some of the hardest to mm-hmm. read. Uh, so it's good it's kind of placed there near the end mm-hmm. because the expectation is that you've read everything else. Uh, number four... Don't be so uptight. That's what we talked about <laughs> last time. Uh, not being so uptight. Uh, just remembering... Uh, to your doctrine. Yeah, just okay. don't hold on so tight to your doctrine. Uh, be willing to let the Bible question you. Mm-hmm. And not you get in there and tell the Bible what it's supposed to be saying. Right. Yeah, if that makes sense. And the fifth and final one. This might be a big one. We might lose some listeners with this one is it might not be as universal as we think. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) This is, uh, so what do I mean by that? Yeah, what does the author of this essay mean by that? He He means a bunch of things, which I think it takes some unpacking. Okay. So not so universal. So we can take scriptures... Um, you know, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm-hmm. Right? And we can make the Bible into something that's supposed to be universal. And Meaning you, for everybody. Meaning for everybody. And it is for everybody. Okay. But so that it's as true to everyone as it should be to you. So when you're growing up in North America, in the United States of America... Uh, if you grew up in a certain tradition um, where all you really read was the Bible, you know, really, you know, if we if we were born in India, right, okay. we'd probably be Hindu or whatever religion that's out there. You know, if we were born in China, we probably wouldn't be Christian. We'd be something else. Um, if we were born someplace else where, you know, that religion was much more popular than Christianity, Chances are we'd be a Buddhist or we'd be something else, right? So it's just understanding that the Bible does isn't necessarily as universally accepted as you think it is. So you might be a Christian, or if you're listening to this, you're most likely a Christian, and you're being like, no, no, what are you talking about? Like the Bible, uh, everyone agrees that the Bible is true, you know? Not understanding that there's a whole world out there of religions, of scriptures 
that they think that their scriptures are as important, if not more important, than our own. Yeah, I had an interesting conversation today. I had sent a video to someone on meditation. Really? Which was really good. It was five minutes, and the person said that she could only listen to the first minute because starting minute two, she said a word, and I was like, what word? And she mentioned the word, and I was like, what is that? Oh, that's Hinduism. And she refused to listen to the rest of the video because of that one word. Hmm. And dismissing the beauty and power. Just one word. The person is not um, practicing Hinduism. She right. just said a word that to this person made a connection. This is Hinduism and there's absolutely no way I'm going to do anything or any kind of exercise that has to do with that religion. Hmm. And she missed out. Wow. She didn't finish the process and... Usually in meditation, you know, it's it's is um, very similar as like writing a book. There's an intro, there's a body, it's a conclusion, right? There's a it's a process, a journey. You you're being walked through, hmm. and so she literally walked in a really like emotional part and left, <laughs> and didn't allow the process of this five minute to finish. So it could be like in a workout, he just got to the warm up and missed the whole beauty of the workout. So it's interesting to me how, as you were saying, it's not so universal. We we want everybody to to do the same things that we're doing. Yeah, and I think um, you know the the biggest dream of the Jewish nation or the Jews, or the people behind the Jewish Bible, the Hebrew Scriptures, wasn't that everybody was going to become Jewish, right? They weren't created as a nation, called out, so that then all the nations could repent and then become Jewish. Right. (laughs) Right? They were supposed to bless the nations through their dedication to God, through them being a chosen people, through them being called out, right? But they weren't supposed to make the world Jewish. They were supposed to be a nation of priests. There was and priests intervene on behalf of the people. So on behalf of the people. Yeah. So if you have a priest, mm-hmm. right? Um, oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, they're in- supposed intervene, meaning like with God. With God. That's yeah. what I meant. When mm-hmm. you said with people, it confused me. Oh yeah, between God and people. Sorry. Right. So, and fast forward to Christianity. You know, I think a lot of people have this idea that Christians are supposed to make Christians of the whole world. And that's going to be the final story. And maybe it is. Um, But what I've kind of come to realize is that that doesn't seem to be the case. You know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about how, you know, the nations are going to be coming to the city. They're going to be bringing their richness with them. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about other gods and goddesses. Actually, I'm not talking about that at all. But I think there's a richness and diversity that we miss out on when we think Christianity and reading our Bible is all supposed to lead to us all being the same thing. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's a bad thing inherently. I think it becomes bad when we don't understand that in us following Jesus, right, it's not never saying that we're ever going to necessarily catch up. And I think the dream of the scriptures have, have always been the world coming back together. 
you know. When you see it as a, a whole story, collection of books. Right. <laughs> Instead of this one command that you need to be obedient to, and your life is focused on that, and, and what you do every day is because of that. Right. One to two verses. I'm not laughing at people, and I'm not, I'm not, this is not a joke. I'm just, let, let's stop for a second and figure out why you do the things that you do. Instead of, you know, it's like we have all these scriptures in our pockets for every situation. So if it has to do, pull this scripture out. Um, obedience, this scripture. Um, submissive, this scripture, uh, kingdom, this scripture, and it's disturbing to me. I'm mm. not, I'm not mocking. I, I'm, I'm not laughing. This is not funny to me. Um, it's a, it surprises me that we don't ask why. Okay, may I say something to what you were saying? So I know how you were saying like, okay, we take that one verse and we think we understand it. Or, you know, we're like, we know what that means already. You know, we, we're kind of going in with our assumptions. Okay, like, I'm as a Christian, my job is to make other Christians. Mm-hmm. And that means that there's a, there's a commonality there. Um, you know, then it becomes a question of, well, what's a true Christian? What are the things that makes a person a true Christian? So then, like, how does someone get saved? What is this, you know, we're saving them from hell? Right, you have to go to heaven, and we we've talked about our feelings and our thoughts about that in other episodes, about how we don't necessarily feel like the point of the story is to save people from hell. Um, it's about heaven and earth becoming one, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. You know, and it it's funny what you say. It's like yeah, we take that one scripture, and I think we don't even realize how much else we're forgetting. All the dots we're not connecting. And for me, it always goes back to Babylon. Like, what what was the big dream of Babylon? To build a tower. Yeah, there was a tower of Babel. And do you remember, want me to read the scripture for you of why they wanted to build a tower? Um, now, the whole world had one language. Mm. I'm sure it was Spanish. Right? <laughs> and a common speech. Of course, it was Espanol. Hola! As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They found a what? A plain in Shinar. Not like a plain, like... Like a plain, like a flat land. Right? You mean P-L-A-I-N. Yes, P-L-A-I-N. A plain in Shinar. And settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. So that we may make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So what's the dream of Babylon? To get closer to the heavens? I think that's what a lot of people would say. Hmm. Is that people wanted, they wanted to be like God. Hmm. You know, and that was their sin. Oh, like they wanted to stay one and not be scattered? They wanted to stay together. Mm-hmm. They wanted to be one. Uh-huh. They feared being separated Hmm. to me that's almost like 
honorable. <laughs> you know, it confused me like when I when I really like thought about it. Like it there's a dream of unity baked into the philosophy of Babylon that we need to stick together. Hmm. We need to be unified. We need to get along. So they build this tower because they want to make a name for themselves. So their version of unity is unity by becoming one. One thing. Babylon. One culture. One language. And you see this repeated throughout the scriptures. Right? The same thing happened with the Romans. Right? The Pax Romana. The peace of Rome. And with Alexander the Great. Before them. Before them. You know, with the Greeks. They wanted to spread Hellenism. One language. One culture. Throughout the earth. They wanted to create unity by creating a common religion, a common culture, and a common language. Sounds like somebody else's goal. What, what's back goal? Back in the 40s. Whose goal is that back in the 40s? World War Two. Hell, Hitler. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's what I'm thinking. When yeah. there's like this passion of becoming the one, mm-hmm. I'm not seeing them one to bless the rest of the world, but one to have the power. Yeah. I didn't see the honorable in being one. <laughs> well, I think there's an idea I mean, that... Same thing with Roman and Greeks, right? Like, I know that you mentioned, well, they brought X, Y, Z. Yeah. Well, here's... Go ahead. And then I think about the, Span- the Spanish mm. that came to South America. Yes, they did. So they wanted all of South America and every colony to be Baptized. Christian. Exactly. Very concerned about your salvation. Very concerned about your salvation. So, yeah, I don't know what's that. I don't know. I see power there. Well, maybe back up in a second. Okay. And learn to look at the world the way the Bible is trying to tell you how you should be looking at the world. Okay. Through the story. Obviously, the world was not the Fertile Crescent, right? The Tigris, Euphrates, Mediterranean, and the Nile. Right, the world was much bigger, but the Bible tells the story as if that's that's all there is, mm-hmm. right? And baked in the cake there is the idea that all of humanity is one family. Mm-hmm. We come from the same mother, the same father, the same tribe, and in all families, what do you want to do when you have kids, and your kids have kids, and your kids' kids have kids? Especially in the Spanish culture. What's the, what's the desire? What did your dad tell you when you were a little girl? Looked you in the eye. Dad, I need to take care of my sister. You need to take care of your sister. You need to take care of your mother. <laughs> right? You were responsible. Why were you responsible? It's the worst thing that <laughs> can ever happen because... Because you're the oldest, right? It's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. It's a, it lot, a lot of pressure, pressure for a 14-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, so I think there's this... I'm still living the consequences of that, of wanting to rescue, of wanting to save people from X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah, some people have uh, thought that perhaps the spread of humanity all over the globe came from family squabbles, basically. What's a squabble? Like fights. Oh, okay. So if you imagine us all being one family and those families getting larger... And there being disagreements between siblings. And one of those siblings saying, that's it, I'm going off on my own. And they walk down a few miles and they settle at the next beach. 
this will be my place. And over time, that keeps happening and we lose track of each other. But I think in just inherent in all of humanity is this desire for unity. But where it becomes wrong is that desire for unity is becoming unified by becoming the same. And the way God wants unity is God wants unity through diversity. He doesn't want all the nations to become the Jewish nation. He wants all the nations to come together and for the Jewish nation to bless those nations. So it's just that idea of like this dream of Babylon because Babylon is kind of like here it is in the beginning, but they're kind of like there in the background as the big bad, like the big bad villain of the entire saga. Right. And they finally come pouring out from the north and they take the northern kingdom and then the southern kingdom into exile. So there's this whole idea of unity, the unity of Babylon. The dream of Babylon is for humanity to be united. But God did scatter them. Scattered the Babylonians? Didn't he? He did. Okay. He did. Because God opposes unity through occupation. Unity through force. What God wants is unity through love and tolerance. So how was... uh, How were they... Forcing unity. What did they do? Um, they would bring all these cultures together. They would make them Babylonian, basically. But that's what I'm saying, sweetheart. That yeah. is the same way the Greeks and the Romans and what Hitler tried to do in the 1940s. Yes. So what I'm saying is that that's... I am going back to the Babylonians not having the right approach of unity. But rather, force unity. They want everybody to be together. They wanted to be empowered. Yep. No, I agree with you. All I'm saying is that when you look at it that way, oh, like the Babylonians, they just wanted everyone to be together. They wanted unity. I think that they wanted power. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And I think that's where it goes wrong. I think... When you try and make unity by being, okay, the way we're going to be unified is everyone needs to be like me like, and my like tribe. Like Christianity, like yeah, churches. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. so I don't see <laughs> to the way of thinking yeah. about the Babylonians is the way I'm seeing Christianity now. And as Christians and in churches, if we look back in history of all these nations trying to force unity... At the at the heart of that, there was they wanted to be empowered. Hence, all the denominations. When you don't agree with somebody, um, you are you are forcing power into someone else. You want to be empowered. You want to yeah. be in charge of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting too because you know there's the idea of like speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. That's a very like uh, Pente- we would call it a very Pentecostal kind of like thing today. It doesn't really happen in other churches. And, you know, in, in some churches, they would they would even consider the whole Pentecostal movement, like, not even, like, legitimate Christianity. Because that just seems crazy to some people, right? There's a, a whole theory that in the first century, speaking in tongues were common. Every church did it. And then it, it sort of, like, died out with the other gifts of the Spirit, like prophecy and, you know, all the other stuff. But then... Other scholars have noticed that Paul really only talks about 
speaking in tongues in his letter to the Corinthians. So some people have suggested that maybe there was something strange going on with the Corinthian church and that these types of gifts of the spirit weren't necessarily as universal as some have believed before. Maybe it was only just certain churches. And the reason I love that idea, because I love the idea of like, even in like our church movement, if all of a sudden New Jersey, the New Jersey church started like speaking in tongues, mm. we would like immediately like send a draft a letter, make an announcement. Jersey is no longer part of our fellowship. They're done. How does Paul handle it? He writes a bunch of instructions. He helps them out. Even though it, it might have been different than maybe the Galatians church or the Ephesians church or the church in Colossae, he embraced it. Now, you know, I'm stretching here, you know, because we don't necessarily really know why he gave instructions in the Corinthian church. He didn't give instructions to the other churches about these gifts. It could have just been because there was a problem in Corinth. But I like to think that maybe, just maybe, we're not meant to be as similar as we feel like we have to make everyone be in our church fellowships. Maybe there's more room for diversity than we'd like to admit. You know, I think here are some other things that we have to consider when we think about it's not so universal as we think. I think we have to always keep in our mind that this is a human divine book. I think the divine aspect of the book has been very like overemphasized in the past few hundred years. What do you mean? Um, So like we think of the Bible as, you know, God's word, which I believe it is as well. But we take that to mean that these are the words that God spoke to his prophets, and those prophets wrote it down. Not taking into account that, you know, like the scriptures seem to say that this is a human divine book, that God inspired some of these things, but that humans had some part in creating those words. It's a human divine work. Just like, you know, we talk about in Genesis, how we were meant to be co-creators with God, right? We were going to be co-workers with God. We were going to help spread Eden throughout the whole world. That was kind of the the expectation, right? Hanging there. That Eden wasn't the whole world. The whole world wasn't this big garden where we were like, I don't know, riding on lions and stuff, you know, and everything was, was great and, and cheery and perfect. The garden was one small little space. And the idea is that we were going to spread that. We were going to help God spread that garden. We were going to tend the world and make the world like a garden of Eden. But that never happened. Right. So in that understanding that maybe God wants to work with us, not on us, right? He doesn't want to make us do things or force us to do things. He wants us to work with us. I see the scriptures as God working with man mm-hmm. and God using. God's changed his mind. And God has changed his mind. Yeah. Even ha- happens in the scriptures, right? Exactly. We see God change his mind. And so there's an idea that God still speak today. You know, I think some people would say, no, God doesn't speak today. God spoke everything he wanted to say. He put it in the Bible. And that's that. 
He doesn't speak. People actually think this. People do, yeah. In our, in our family of churches. Um. Yeah, I would say so. I think some people. And what do What do people think about like anything now? Well, that's why you'd have to go back to the Bible to try and figure out what God's saying here. And another question that just brings up: Does God still work in the world today? Is God still working? Is the Holy where? What happened to the Holy Spirit? Yeah, and people will be like, of course not, because look at the world. It's upside down. The pandemic, <laughs> the death, cancer. Mm. No, God's not here. Yeah. I'm getting a headache. You are getting a little bit of a headache. Can we take a break? This is uh, eye-opening to why you can listen to the Bible Project and then miss the whole thing. Hmm. Like, I'm only bringing those things up because these are the things that come up. This is what people are saying. And um, because you never disciple women... You, because we, we separated a man and a woman, you never got to see what, what goes in there. I still remember, like, everybody like, whoa, how do they know their Bible? I was like, oh, I definitely do not want to know my Bible like that. I don't want to have an answer for everything. So to what you were saying, with sometimes, like, we think knowing our Bibles means having a scripture verse answer for everything. Uh-huh. I think understanding that it's not as universal as we might think it is, is that even just remembering, you know, we talked about way back when we talked about church history in the POV episodes, right? Like, okay, why are there so many denominations? We're all reading the same Bible here. We're all reading very similar Bibles. So that should alert you right away that maybe the way I read the Bible, the way my tradition reads the Bible, isn't the only lens or the only way to be reading this and then i think when you take a bigger step back and you stop just looking for those scriptures that we're pulling out to construct our arguments or to construct our theology and we look at the global story right the whole thing other things begin to come into focus other themes other other things that you really just can't write down on a bumper sticker you can't just like pull out uh, to use to try and make you do something or make someone else do something or give someone like that advice. Does that make sense? So I think this is one thing that we can learn as we go into our Bibles is just remember that like the things that seem obvious to you might not actually seem obvious to the Bible. You and the Bible might be saying different things. Understanding what this Bible came out of right? This is a human divine story. This isn't just God dictating or like people are the pens. Like God is taking someone's foot and like dipping in the ink and like I'm being stupid. But you know, this this isn't like just God dictating notes to a person who's waiting to write them down. This was a long process, especially with the Hebrew scriptures. This is a process that took about like a thousand years. And you know, I feel like anyone who sits and notices things over a period of a thousand years because they have a common story, they have a common narrative, right? That they're writing this stuff down. I think a thousand years is probably about enough time, maybe even like more like five to 10,000 years to understand some big patterns, some big pat, Like uh, Carl Sagan once said when he was talking about the, you know, how hard it is to understand the universe because he was a famous astronomer. 
He was like, we're like ants that live in a forest for a day. <laughs> and we're trying to figure out what this whole thing is. Mm-hmm. We live such short lives. And I think that's one of the beauty of writing and telling stories and language is that we get to hold on to these things. It becomes almost like a universal mind in a sense. I don't know if that makes people so uncomfortable. But there's like there's an intelligence here in these stories that we tell and we retell to each other. And over time, you almost get to see the shape of reality. But it takes way more time than one human life will allow. And that's the power of repetition. Yeah, it's the power of repetition. Wow. Yeah, and that's... To create any, any kind of masterpiece, to become any work class of anything. Yeah. It takes the reps mm-hmm. to practice, to plan, and to polish. Yeah, and that's the beauty of these stories. Mm-hmm. So when you go into these things... like So the more I read it, the longer I read it for. Yeah. The more I'll be able to see the bigger picture. Yeah, just read it and read it and read it and think yeah. about it and think about it and think about it. And yeah. I think if you jump too quickly to be like, okay, what's the practical application here? What am I supposed to do? You're robbing yourself yeah. of that journey yeah. that the Bible's inviting you to go on. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've been, a, I've been a fan of Jordan Peterson for the past few months since he came on my radar. Actually, because of doing this podcast, I was doing some research and I stumbled upon his work. Uh, he's a clinical psychologist. Um, he, he may or may not be an atheist. Depends on what time of day you ask him. Um, but he did a whole series on the biblical stories where he goes through these things and he talks about he just can't understand how some of these stories are so dense with meaning. Especially like the early stories. Like he was talking about the story of Cain and Abel. And he's like, it's like a couple of sentences long. There's like nothing to it. But there's so much in it. And philosophers and theologians have wrestled for years with these stories. And we're still not done. There's still work to be done and things to pull out of it. And it's like just a couple of sentences. Like, what kind of brain can even do that? <laughs> you know? And kind of connecting it to uh, Lin-Manuel. He, he's the Ron guy that Hamilton? wrote Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And he talked about his, his own writing process in Hamilton. Yeah. Is that he would write and write and write and write. And after he was done, he was like, okay, I'm going to make it denser. How can I say all that in fewer words? And he would do that. And then he would do it again. And so finally he had these rhymes. Crafted and crafted. Crafted and crafted and crafted. And made it more dense with meaning, more dense with meaning, and more dense with meaning. Until finally he had these songs in the show that was just, it's amazing. And it hits people on all different masterpieces. It hits all different people from all different cultures, from all different points of view, because there's so much in it. And that was one man who worked maybe a period of five years or maybe even as long as a decade on these on these songs on this show. And we're talking about the Bible that was worked on by hundreds, if not thousands of people over a period of time, at least a thousand years. Wow. <laughs> Imagine the density and the compactness of meaning. Mm-hmm. And God allowed people to do it. Yep. You know how I know that? Because God could have just snapped his fingers at any point And he could have just given us something. He didn't. Mm-hmm. He let the process drag out. I remember when I, when I first learned about how the Bible came together. 
I was like, how did those poor Christians in the first hundred years manage without a New Testament? How did they know who was a Christian or not? How did they know what to tell each other to do? (laughs) Right? When Brother Peter was struggling with, you know, whether or not he can finally eat bacon, what scriptures did he consult? And I was like, oh yeah, wow, he had the Old Testament. He had, there was already something there. Christianity doesn't come into an empty vacuum and then thank goodness for the New Testament. It comes in this long tradition of Jesus being the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures of the Tanakh and pushing that forward. And the New Testament, these amazing documents, they come out of that. And it took so long. And we have to remember that if it took this long to write, it might take us a little bit more time than an hour on an afternoon to understand this. It really takes more of like a lifetime. Lifelong learning. Lifelong learning. And us pushing this forward as well, wrestling with these scriptures, encountering these scriptures the way that we were meant to encounter them, if they're stories... There are things that we're meant to think about. There are things that we're meant to put ourselves in the shoes of the characters. We're supposed to be there, right? We're supposed to think about it. We're supposed to meditate on the problems in the text. If it's poetry, we need to pour over it again and again and again. And some people will throw up their hands at this point and say, that's too much for me. I just want to know what to do. (laughs) Well, welcome to the club, right? Because, you know, from a Jewish point of view... They have the Tanakh, just like we do. And then they have volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes of books about how to live out that book. Mm -hmm. So from a Jewish point of view, they're almost like, how do you follow the Old Testament? You You don't have the whole thing. You don't have the countless hundreds of years of people wrestling and arguing over this stuff. You're missing most of the conversation. And I think, to bring it back home to Christianity, I think obviously we're not Jewish, so we're not necessarily going to follow everything in the Talmud or all the other books that are surrounding the Tanakh, right? But here's one thing that none of us have any connection to. We have no idea about our church history. We have no idea about how we fit into the big story that the Holy Spirit has been telling after Jesus through church history. We can't place ourselves in that story. It's almost like whenever our denomination was born, that's when we that's when the church appeared. <laughs> right? And we're missing so much. So, going into the Bible, understanding that it might not be as universal as we think it is. Another thing that we should, you know, keep in the back of our mind, uh Does God speak and work even through other cultures and through other religions? Of course. Does God only speak and work with people inside the church? Or does he work through and speak to people outside of the church? And on one hand, that can be very, very controversial. Because people can feel like, well, how dare you say that? Mm -hmm. The church is special. Mm -hmm. The church is, you know, 
we're, we're supposed to have the truth. We're supposed to be that light to the world, that city on a hill. But then you take a step back and you look at the story of the Hebrew Scriptures. The Jews were also, quote-unquote, the chosen people. But a lot of times the heroes of those stories, they weren't Jewish. They were from other cultures. They were from other, other religions sometimes. And God used them in powerful ways. Like Ruth. Was Ruth Jewish? She was a Moabitess. She's from Moab. Remember Naomi went? She left. And uh, her sons married two Moabitesses. Moabite women. And then they died. And then uh, Ruth went back with Naomi. She changed her name to Mara. Because she's like, don't call, me Na- Na- don't call me Naomi. My name is Mara, which means bitter. So I feel bad for anyone named Mara. No, I'm just kidding. It's a beautiful name. So just thinking about that. And then comparing that to our own story, we should also be cautious if we think that we're the point of the whole story as Christians. Maybe God is also working through people who aren't in your church. Maybe there's some value out there. Maybe as a nation of priests, right? It says in Peter that we're supposed to be priests of the new covenant, right? Maybe we're supposed to go out in the world too and minister to the nations, and add that diversity and not be so afraid of it. I don't know how many times I've suggested to, and I know you, and this has happened to you a lot more than it has to me, suggested some type of leadership book or leadership course that could really benefit the church, but it's written by someone outside the church. And usually people are kind of like, oh, that's nice and everything, but I, I have the Bible. Well, you were in that boat too. Yeah. The Bible is going to teach me everything I need to know on how to lead. Mm -hmm. And then we disregard all of the great leadership advice that's out there. All of the great wisdom that's out there that's written in a modern day language to a modern day audience that I really think the Christian in their right mind will want to add that to their own learning. Add that diversity of thought. Add that knowledge doesn't mean you're subtracting from the Bible. doesn't mean you're subtracting from anything in there. So for one of the things that's been really great for me lately, as you know, I, I am in seminary now. So this is like my third, fourth week. Mm-hmm. I've been loving it. It's great. Um, for my first step in the process, I've, I've chosen to go to a great little evangelical college on in Portland on the West Coast called Western Seminary. Shout out to my Western peeps. It's great. It's a great school. The people there are amazing. Um, But one of the things that's really added to my own life and my own learning is learning more about the Jewish perspective of everything. And so, like, I've kind of had a, you know, a fun time kind of going to used bookstores and picking up old Jewish uh, commentaries written by rabbis. And then going home and like reading them. And just the diversity of thought that I found in some of these commentaries uh, is amazing. So they're really adding to my understanding of the scriptures. But they're not Christian. They're Jewish. You know, and as a scientist uh, or as an amateur scientist, whatever you want to call me, uh, 
even just learning about the stars, learning about planets, learning about geology and physics, all that has added to my understanding as a Christian. It hasn't taken away from it. It's, it's been amazing. Studying about life, biology, all of this stuff has added to my experience of being a Christian. It hasn't taken anything away. Um, learning how to be a leader, you know, through reading books on leadership, going to conferences, seminars. That stuff has added to my experience as a Christian. It hasn't taken anything away. I love that. And to close out, I'm going to read out loud all the questions that you have for us to reflect. Sure. The first one being, does God still speak today? Does God still work in the world today? Does he speak through those outside the church as well as those within? And does he speak and work even through other religions? As always, adios muchachas. Adios muchachos.